0: So we want to welcome you to River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're ministering today on I'm Always Right. Can you say it with me by faith? I'm always right. Now, that's, that's kind of a hard thing to say. It sounds pretty self-righteous. It sounds like you're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. So if you think either of those things, you need to pay attention this morning. Turn in your Bible with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 28. We're ministering, this is our fifth service, on I'm always right. And we're ministering truth from the Word of God that is contrary to your feelings, contrary to your experience. And so we've got to change something. We either have to discount the Word or we have to discount our experiences until we line up, until we line up. So we're going to look at what the Word says in chapter 28, verse 1, about Righteousness. And we're going to look at it in what these mean, these words mean in the Hebrew. The Bible says in King James, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. The wicked flee, the wicked flee. Well, of course, somebody's after him is why he's fleeing. Says here, this is a different kind of man. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. But so a contrast, the righteous are bold as a lion. We don't flee no matter what's in pursuit. So the word there is the wicked. So that would include the unrighteous, wouldn't it? Those people that, that are they're meaner than a junkyard dog and don't mind it and, and uh, kind of proud of it, they're kind of a hell's angels type. And then it's also the grandma that just never has received Jesus Christ. The Bible says of them, they are sinners, they're unbelievers, and even that they're wicked. So uh, it would be the unrighteous, but it would also be the ones that flee are those that are righteousness yet condemned. Righteous yet condemned. Do you all know any Christians that are righteous, born again, whoo-hoo, but yet they're condemned, just exactly like the wicked, the unbeliever, the sinner? They, they, they have no different emotions, have no different expectation. They, they, I had a man ask me the other day, I've been born again since he was, he's my age, been born again since he was 10. And he said, have I done enough? Have I done enough to go to heaven? Well, that's just wrong doctrine. All you have to do is do one thing, call upon the name of the Lord. But he, he, he he was all condemned, guilty, because have I done enough? I've done so many bad things, apparently. Have I done enough to offset it? And so that's just wrong thinking. So the wicked, the unrighteous, and the righteous yet condemned flee. It's uh, flee. There another translation of that is a filled with paranoia. There's a commercial right now, uh, uh, a drug commercial that talks about, you know, everybody's after me. That's how paranoids, people that are paranoid, uh, think. And we had a joke back in the. 80s, that said, uh, let's put a bumper sticker on our card. Of course, we were a little carnal back then. The paranoids are after me. <laughs> I always thought that was clever, but not so much, actually. Uh, the, the wicked flee, those that are fl- filled with paranoia, they flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous, one translation says the uncompromisingly. Righteous. So it's more than just being righteous. If you're born again, you're righteous. You're going to bust heaven wide open, whether you have a clue about it or not. You could be a drunk all your life and be a a, a serial killer or or anything. But if you have been born again, you're going to go to heaven. Now, I know that's hard on people. They don't like serial killers going to heaven. They want us humble people and grandma-type people and and little children. We want them to go to heaven. But then it goes back to, have I done enough? It's not based on performance, is it? It's not based on conduct. It's based on the one event all of our lives. What did you do with Jesus? The whole kingdom turns on what did you do with Jesus. So the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the uncompromisingly righteous are bold as a lion. And one commentary says because they are without fear that we don't flee because we're fearless. Fearless. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you. 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 Be 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 fearless. Almost all the failures in our lives are rooted in fear. Everything that we didn't get right, everything that we're unwilling yet to do, is based on fear we are afraid and so we've said this before what could you do if you weren't afraid why you you do everything Jesus did if you weren't afraid he was not afraid they woke him up out of a boat that was being swamped in the storm and said Lord careth not that we perish and he looked at him in in and said why are you got so little faith he turned around and spoke to the wind Everything was a great day. <clears throat> almost everything, if not everything, that we fail at or don't hit the mark is based on fear. How will this turn out? I fear, well, will the Lord save me? <clears throat> and that's because we've had some experience with that. So here we go. The necessity of being righteousness conscience. If fear is the root of almost everything that's negative in our lives everything that failed in our lives, everything that, that, that didn't work out, if fear is the root of that and righteousness conscience is the antidote to that, then it's essential, it's imperative that I be righteousness conscience because the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are fearless. We are fearless when we know this is turning out good. Wow, there's sharks all around, and, and, uh, and they're, it doesn't matter. I'm fearless. What could you do if you weren't afraid? Why, that's a big question. So we got to not be afraid. we got to deal with fear. And the, it, People say, well, the opposite of fear is faith, but that's not true. The opposite of fear uh, is uh, righteousness. I know who I am, therefore. I know how this is turning out. Therefore, all things are working together for my good. Therefore, I'm the head and not the tail. Therefore, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Therefore, he always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Therefore. And it changes everything. It's not that we don't have enough opportunities. Well, if I had no if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all, is what hee-haw used to say. <laughs> I'd sing right along with it in my little, you know, my little twelve year old mind. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what, agony on me all that stuff like that, but the truth is We just don't know who we are We talked about it last week that you you don't know who you are Except your parents showed you pictures and said well here you were when you were a little a little rug rat. You were two years old and were chasing around you know and the, You fought the cat and you strung up the dog and all that sort of stuff so uh, The more you know or the more you believe who you are in Christ Jesus under righteousness, the more fearless you are, directly proportional. So if you don't know who you are, you're a basket case. It doesn't matter how big you are and how your exploits and whatever, some of the most fearful people, the most defensive people, some of the most insecure people I know are Christians that should know, but they don't know. And you can tell. They can quote scripture and they, they've done revivals and all that stuff, but it's it's just not work, working. So we so we have to address our culture, an American culture, but every culture, to say that our culture is based on fear. Because they don't know, even in America, they don't know who we are in Christ because we're Americans. You might be amazed at the people that will answer a survey that says, How do you know you're going to heaven? They will say, because I'm an American, or that I'm Baptist, or that I'm Methodist, and never mentioning Jesus. And we ask the question all the time when we find people that uh, we're ministering to, and says, if, uh, why would God let you into His heaven? And they're like, well, I'm doing the best I can and I've done good, and Mama's a, mom's been in the church all these years, all these and never bring up Jesus, never say, I called upon the name of the Lord, and therefore I was saved. So what we see in America is a culture, and we're all products of our culture. You're a product of your culture of your race. You're a product of the culture of your gender, of your uh, your intellect. If you have a lower intellect or, or whatever, I'm, I hate to use that, but then the culture is going to say... You're down syndrome. We, 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 we castigate you. We, we segregate you. We put you out. And there's a culture of that. We despise it. We hate it. But part of it is in there. We see, uh, we don't mean to, but when I was young, and certainly here in the South, there's words used for different races or different kinds of people that are very demeaning and very uh, 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 negative and meant to put people in their place. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I know when I was growing up, uh, my dad, he didn't want me playing with Catholics. I had a Catholic friend. He was going to teach me how to do the, uh, uh, what's that box thing? that, The accordion. And there was no chance I was going to learn it, I can tell you. I, I, there's no chance music is going to happen to me in that sense. But he said, I want you playing with David anymore. He said, well, we just, we just don't mess with Catholics. Now, I'm being real honest about that, and I don't want you to think I'm, my dad's changed since then, but that was a, the, the very first president that we had that was Catholic was greatly and vehemently opposed because he was Catholic. So that's, that's in our culture. And so uh, the culture is what we see and hear to believe in order to do. If you believe that culture, if you were raised under a father or mother that uh, castigated certain kinds of people or certain uh, classes of people, then you would take that on because you would hear it, you would see it, and you would believe it because that's your dad, that's your mom, that's your grandpa. You would believe it in order to do, and it would be embedded in you. And you'd be fearful then because you didn't know who you were. You believed you were this and you weren't that. So the world has a seduction. It's built in. It isn't a group of people. It's not the Illuminati or the, the, you know, the the G20 or whatever. All those people, they're just people. But there's a seduction in our world because the God of this world, the God of this world, the devil, the God of this world, the Bible says in Romans, has blinded the eyes of those that do not see. I believe that's what it says. So it's, it's a plan, it's a plot, it's a setup. We're negative, everyone is negative by nature until you get born again. You are negative by nature. We were talking this morning how uh, we think that old men get cranky. It's like, ah, oh, Grandpa used to be such a great guy, but when he turned 70, he just got cranky and he's mean to the kids and kicks the dog and, and you know, doesn't want anything that you cook for him. You go, no, he didn't turn cranky. He was always that way, but charm wore off. We all have an innate charm that we use to cover and present ourselves. It's, it's, In the biblical sense, it's a grace, but in the world sense, it's just called charm. And so when you're 40, you're already all those things grandpa was. He was that way at 40, but he had charm. And so when he turned 70, the charm wore off. He couldn't carry himself, whatever. And so he went, you are a bad man. We don't want to be around you. So that's why we have to, at 40 and 30 and 20, we have to get our character right. You have to change it on the inside because when you're 70, it's a likely thing that you won't, that you can't. So you got to do it when you're 30. You got to forgive people because when you're 70, if you hadn't forgiven them when you're 30, you're going to be mean. You're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to have a little life. So that's why we don't say, well, when we get old, we'll deal with it. You can't deal with it. A man that's on his deathbed that has said no to Jesus all his life, no, 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 can hardly, if ever, say yes to the Lord Jesus because of that culture that's in him. He's just programmed, and he cannot escape it. It's so been weaved around him. Well, we're all been weaved around. There's, a, there's been a weaving around in your culture of shortage. The world has shortage It's based on demand, supply and demand. It's based on the the premise that there's not enough to go around. So we got to get all we can, can all we get, and sit on the can. Dog eat dog. Early bird gets the worm. We're raised in that culture that there's not enough. So you better get up early. You better get out there and bust it so that you can get your part. And that's part of our culture. That's not kingdom culture. What's kingdom culture? There's plenty more where that came from. And you go, well, yeah, I like that. Well, why, why are we just now embracing that? Because we've been saturated and seduced by that culture of there's not enough, shortage, lack, need. There's a war over in, in Iraq or whatever, so therefore, gas is going up. And then what are we going to do? We're going to have plenty. We're going to have plenty. Well, the food at the, you know, the COVID and the food at the whatever. What are we going to do? We're going to have plenty if the ravens have to bring it in. There is no possibility of us having shortage in our life if we know who we are in Christ Jesus. No possibility. But it's an anti-culture to what we are raised in. Same thing with health. We are bombarded in this nation with health care. Thank God, all of us, I know I would be dead without health care. I wouldn't have made it. The doctors have saved me more than once, and I understand that. And I'm grateful for it, but that's not who I am. When I didn't know who I was, that's what I had to have. But I am moving, I'm distancing myself from that culture of, you better have your doctor on speed dial. You better have your premiums paid up. I have health insurance because I realize that I'm not there like I should be, but I'm moving as hard and fast as I can. I'm not just saying good enough's good enough. But there's a seducing culture that says, all of us, well, you don't have health insurance? What is wrong with you? Don't you know you're going to die if you don't have health insurance? As if the health community could save us. And I'm not discounting them, so don't be, don't be wagging around that I don't like them. I am so grateful for being raised up more than once. So thank God, but that does not, I'm not buying into that. So uh, there's a seduction. Let me go over just a few things, because we're talking about righteousness. We're talking about I'm always right. Even when I do it wrong, I'm always right. I, let's just say that together. Even when I do it wrong, I'm always right. Now, that, that's, that's rubbing the cat the wrong way. We, we don't like to say that. We don't, we don't mind being wrong in our own way. Now, I don't want you telling me I'm wrong. I, I, if I want to admit it, that's one thing. But we're going to get our feelings hurt if you tell me I'm wrong. Y'all know that? <laughs> I'll talk about my mama, but don't you say a word about my mama. <laughs> they were fighting words. Well, I just repeated what you said. Those are fighting words. So don't you don't you talk about my mama. So we're in that culture, and I want to bring I want to just bring those things to life because if you're not if you're not aware of this culture, this seduction culture of the world, then you'll be fearful. Remember when the ads used to come on, one out of three people will get cancer. Do you all remember that? Maybe, maybe it's still out there. We, we mute the, the commercials best we can. All the medical things, like, you need this drug and ask your doctor about that and all this. So uh, there's a culture right now and it's really come out in our election process, the Democrats and the Republicans, that you need to declare your inclusion identity. Well, there's real pressure right now in, our, in our, this United States to, to gravitate to one side of something or the other. You, you need to identify who you really are that fits you. So now we're having people that, that they'll get in a small group or something at church and they'll start saying, "Well, I, I had feelings for a man one time and I, I really enjoyed being with him and I, I must be, I must be. One of those. Now, y'all may shake your head at me and say, not me. But the devil's a faithful devil. And he's brought something of that sort, whatever you can handle, whatever would work with you, to say you're not who you say you are and you're not who you want to be. He's lied to all of us. Not me. Well, you, you just wasn't listening to the lie very good. But the culture says, let everybody be me. Everybody, want, they're telling you, be yourself, be you. Then they tell you who you are. So uh, they want to change who you are, and then they want you to be who you are. They want to change who you are, and then they want you to be who you change to. You go, I didn't see that. <laughs> it's big. It's big. And so uh, you've got to resist it. Well, how do you resist that? You find out who you are and you build a, you put a stake in it and say, I'm not moving for this. I've already had my worst day. You ought to get up every day and say, I've had my worst day already. Every day from here to the end is a better day than my worst day, whatever that was. We're not having any surprises, no sneaky ups, nobody's, nothing's going to happen. I've already had my worst day. Every day is an increase from here on. Well, you got to think right to do that. you got to think big in small places. you got to know that we're not looking to people. We're not looking to uh, systems to, to have a better day. We're having a better day based on who we are in Christ Jesus. Ah, uh, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Uh, well, I already kind of got into the homosexual thing, but that's real big in our society. I can remember I was sitting in a service uh, in 1981, i just got the Holy Ghost, and we were sitting in a service in Seminole, Texas. Uh, I I ended up pastoring that church, but the man got up, and uh, this is just me. This is who I was. He told a story about some homosexuals. And I looked over at her, and I said, I am not putting up with this. And I started gathering my stuff up. I was leaving if he was going to use that kind of language in church. I was highly offended. Because she slapped me down and said, Stay right there, you ain't moving. <laughs> so I did. Oh. But now that word's not only not charged like it was then, it's just a common thing. And now it's not even just common. It's acceptable, if not even desirable. That you know, there's there's binary and trans this and and all that, all these things that has whittled us down, sanded us down to make it acceptable so that the key will go in the lock and you can turn it. You go, well, what's the big up with that? It's working on you, and even though you may not think it's got any power over you now, you're right, but it's working on you. It's working on all of us. If nothing else, to be more open to it in other people. You go, well, we ought to be more open. We let people be people, but don't change me. The thing I didn't like about that culture more than anything is, like, do what you want to do, but don't make me do what you want to do. And that's the part I got crossways, and all of us did, with that. A Divorce. There's a culture, a seduction culture, that, and, and every married couple has been through this. Everybody had that has had that rock-down fight. I I had somebody tell me one time, years ago, me and and Betty Lou have never had a fuss. And I said, well, you hadn't lived your life without telling a lie, that's the biggest bunch of bull. You and Betty, you have no marriage, y'all are long-distance pen pals, if you have never had a fuss. What man or woman has no more backbone than to say, I disagree, let's go a different way? Please, but divorce is this thing. Everybody else is doing it, and it's so common now, and it used to be so, so stigmatized. Not anymore. Uh, so people say, I want a divorce, and they have the frailest of reasons. Used to be, you would, you'd read the paper to find out who's getting a divorce. You'd find out why they're getting a divorce, the salacious details of what who did what and who who got caught and everything well then they came out with i remember when they came out with uh uh, incompatibility you go, what's that well it's the fix-all it's what everybody has it doesn't change who you and i are it takes it takes some tough to marry to, to be married to somebody it takes some tough just to be by yourself but it takes some stuff to be married to somebody. It doesn't matter how oh, I love you till the end, and we will, and we'll always, and we'll never, and it's you know you're my baby and everything. Ah, yeah. Well, I won't go into that. I already did. Hallelujah. But you get what I'm saying. It's the culture. It's the culture. It's the you go. well, What's that got to do with righteousness? It's trying to get us to change identities. To change to, a, to another person, to be more amiable, to get along with others. In other words, it's not enough just to say, well, you're that way and you're that way, but I have to like, I have to not only just tolerate, you be your way, you go your way, but now it's like, you have to fund my way, you have to love my way, you've got to change your life so I can have my way. Then it's stepped over the line and it's all stepped over the line. You go, I don't know about that. Oh yeah, it's subtle, so subtle. But it's happened. Uh, Abortion, the main thing about that is don't take away my rights to choose. So we're not gonna go into that. More people than you can imagine have had abortions. Because why? Because the culture, the culture. Well, that's who they were at that moment. How many of y'all know we were somebody else at another time. We allowed things. We pursued things. We, we even campaigned for things that now we'd go never. That's just our past. It doesn't matter. But uh, these people that says, I, you're taking away my right to choose, then they say, I'm somebody too. And boy, that's right. I hate it. I don't like it. Pastor Buzzy used to say it, and I liked it. He said, all these churches that put these little crosses out in their front yard and, and go, you know, these are the babies that have been aborted. You are so care, uncaring, so unmerciful. These people, these, these, these women that did that, they are crucified in their thoughts. They are so, it, it was, it's a terrible thing to live through that. They are, they're not happy about it, no matter what they say. But the church has just said, well, you messed up, and we're, we're moving on from you. And that is, the church has got to change. Because we've all messed up. And, and lots of people messed up, but they, didn't, but they didn't get caught. In other words, they didn't conceive. But they were just like the people that did conceive. The most wonderful people you can think of strayed amen i'm not trying to I, hey, i'm not talking about i'm not trying to give you an idea of what i've done i i never have but that's that's the point diversity diversity the world has a culture of diversity and here's where i'm really going is that they want you to embrace and mix with everything in other words they want you to be tolerant and the word they're using is diversity uh, we're all God's children. Heard that the other day. We're all God's children. We're not all God's children. We've all been paid for to be God's children, but we haven't accepted that. So they're, they're saying be a part of all humanity. But the righteous are bold as a lion. The fearful, the unrighteous, or the righteous and yet condemned, are paranoid. They want me to change from my fearless position to the diverse position i wrote down a scripture here it's in 1 corinthians 1 10 it says uh you know this it's in the amplified that all of you be in perfect harmony and full agreement with what you say we're talking about diversity here they want you to not just be tolerant of others they want you to embrace it uh And that there be no dissensions or factions or divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in your common understanding and in your opinions and judgments. I'm not everybody else, and you shouldn't be either. We love people with the love of God that's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, but we don't agree with them. And we don't, we don't, we tolerate them, whether they're doing over in their corner But don't bring your corner into my corner. You know, well, you need to. You need to include me in your life, and you need to include how I believe and how I want to live in your life. Therefore, if you don't, then you're intolerant. No, I'm speaking the same thing with him. And there's no schism and division among me. Do what you will, but I'm not doing it. And we we have to guard our mind. Now, you may think I'm being mean here and that I'm, that I'm rallying against the world. I'm really not. I love the world, and I'm always excited for someone to get born again or to turn or get delivered or whatever. And I don't, I'm glad for them, but it's just not me. There's a culture that's trying to come into you and me. Um, the last one I have, I think, God is like us. There's a culture right now that God is like us. In other words, he's judgmental, he's critical, he's divisive. They get it out of the Old Testament. I am so ready to, not hear, to hear somebody that doesn't get their, their worldview of the kingdom out of the Old Testament. <laughs> what happened between Malachi and Matthew? His name is Jesus. And everything changed. There's the record of the old before Jesus, and now we have a new record. Well, we're living by the new record, and we are not living according to... I heard someone say this day... He, he might be watching. Hallelujah. <laughs> he said some people were messing up, and he just told them, preach to them, preached them. You're going to incur God's judgment Why? he's going to open up the ground and you're going to fall in it. And then he's going to <laughs> smash you when he closes back up. It is in the Bible, but it's not in ours. It's not in the new covenant. It isn't, there is no judgment. Listen, there's no judgment from God on the earth for any man right now. You go, how can that be? Because it all went to Jesus. He bore it all. So there's nothing. You know, well, what if I mess up real bad? What if I do the really bad thing? Jesus took it. He took it all. And it's just like, well, we can't abide that. We can't stand that. We want him to be like us. We want him to be a little God that's mad as hops at somebody that did wrong so that we can be justified in being unforgiving and, and vindictive. But that's not who we are. And we're not going to, we're not going to take the bait. We're not taking the bait. Yeah, they're going to persecute you for righteousness' sake, f- persecute you for the Word's sake. They're going to say about you. I had someone tell me the other day that uh, y- y- what you're doing is not very Christian. And I was standing up for a Christian. I was standing up, but I, I, wasn't, I was not tolerating somebody's sin that was against me, against River Church. And I did make a stand, and I know how. And I made them all mad. And I wasn't sad. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so, so they want you to say, this is what they want you to believe, that God's in control. It seems like the record just keeps going around and around. God's in control. God is sovereign. Uh, we don't know why this is happening, but we know, we have a confidence. Thank God we know that God's in control and this thing's going to work out. But we don't know, and it sure hurts right now, and it sure doesn't feel like love now. And so what people say, and here's what I've deduced, I wait wait for the next line after they say God's in control, and what they say is, we believe that, but we don't intend to do that. We intend to rebel against the God that's in control. If you'll listen to them, they'll tell you, I ain't putting up with that stuff. They'll say God's in control, but they'll say, I don't like it, I'm not tolerating it, I'm not abiding it, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And God can just be in control, but they'll tell you God's in control. That's the culture of the world. Hallelujah. James chapter 6 says, for he that wavereth. Y'all know what wavereth means? (laughs) Didn't get that in the third grade, wavereth. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed let, for let not that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't be a little abortion, a little homosexual, a little uh, uh, God is in control. You can't be those things and then have a direct path with your prayers, with your faith. Because it's not based in the word. It's not based in truth. It's not based in righteousness. Therefore, there's a, there's a, you miss it there. You, there's there's no intersection of saying God straightened me out, and therefore we're all doing it. No, it's not that at all. So listen to this. Listen to this. If you don't mark your children, if you don't mark your own life, and you you don't mark your children for God's righteousness, the world will mark them with what we just talked about, the anti righteousness. If you don't mark them, if you don't tell them, baby, you are so pretty and God loves you so much and you are good with God. They'll think, they'll go off to the bedroom and think, I did bad things and I'm in trouble and God's mad at me. Here's what comes next. Therefore, since he's mad at me, I might as well live like the devil. You go, nobody thinks that way. They all think that way. You've thought that way. You have all, we've all thought that way. I might as well is what follows. I'm bad. I might as well. Why walk the line if God's mad at me anyway? And so we don't. And we always get in more trouble with that little lie. Hallelujah. So if you don't mark your children, if you don't mark your own life, and that's what we're doing this morning, I'm telling you what and how, but you have to mark your own life. You've got to mark your own life. You have to dose yourself with, I'm always right. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I've been made a new creation in Christ. Old things that were bad, that were not right, have passed away. And behold, I'm a heavenly creature. I'm a spirit. Jesus is my older brother. We are pals. I've been pretty... I hate to say I'm a disgusted. I'm not disgusted, but I, it's like people are just using the word Christ. You know, if, if, if I talked about a doctor and I said, hey, come over, let's barbecue this afternoon. And he got over there and I said, well, doctor, uh, wh- what do you think about the world? And what do you think about uh, uh, Chevrolets or whatever? Well, you'd know we weren't close. But if I said Bob, you'd go, he's a doctor, but... He calls him Bob. You'd say there's a difference in relationship that identifies. Jesus is who we are in love with that purchased us. It wasn't Christ. That is his mark, like Dr. Bob. That is who he is. But actually, Christ means anointed one. I'm off the subject right now, by the way. Christ means anointed one. And so in a, in a reaching sense, we're all little Christ. In the name of Christ... I cast out this devil. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Nothing moved. Because <laughs> it's that name that's above every name. It's that name that every knee will bow and every tongue confess to the glory of the Father that Jesus is Lord. It's that name. And there's no other name like that name. Christ are everywhere. So I got off on that a little bit. So if you don't mark your life, With who you are in him and what the word says about it, the world will fill the vacuum. I promise you, the vacuum will be filled. What you don't stand and mark and and segregate yourself out of and said, that's not who I am. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it. There's these people all around me. There's those people all around me. There's people doing this all around me, but I'm not of that world. I'm just in it. And I'm, I'll pray for anybody, I'll, I'll love you no matter what you are, but I'm not, I'm not of it. So if you don't mark your life, if you're passive, if you're just like, well, you know, I don't feel like what he's saying. Well, you wouldn't because we, the frog in the kettle. You throw the frog in the hot water and he jumps out, but you put him in there and just raise him a degree or two per minute. He'll, he'll sit there and fry and never jump out because he acclimates. Well, we, we've been acclimated. Since I heard that word in 1981 and about lost my mind, oh, I say that word all the time. One, one time the pastor said hell and I about lost it. I was a purist, I was something, I was a mess. I, he said hell and I went, I'm leaving. I got to. <laughs> And Debbie said, sit down, sit down, So I sat down. I, I, I was under control. Hallelujah. So here's the key. Here's what I'm going to say. If you do not declare you are right with God, then you will be marked as not right. See, we've all kind of went to the middle and said, well, I'm not going to say I'm right with God, but I'm not going to say that I'm separated from God. But there's, it's, 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 a, it's a line. You're either on one side or the other. Are you all listening to me? Yes, sir. If you're not right with God, what are you? Well, you're not right with God. No, I'm in the quasi-gray middle area. No, you're not. You're either right with God and you have, you're, you're tuned in with all the benefits, all the privileges, all the blessings of, of heaven, or you're not right with God. Even if you are right with God, if you, don't, if you don't mark yourself, I am right with God. Well, I thought you just cheated on your taxes and drove 90 miles an hour in a 40. I'm right with God. You got to have an old Billy attitude that says, it doesn't matter what I do, it's not who I am. So every time we let someone label us, we're saying, I'm not right with God. I mean, it's, a, it's subtle. It's so subtle. So Galatians 3.20 says, oh, remember this one, it says, for as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We need to put him on. We need to put him on. The next verse says in 1 Corinthians 1.30. Turn there. I want you to see this one. I know you've seen it. I'm not, I never assumed you hadn't seen it and I'm showing you something. I'm just saying let's look in our Bibles and let the word imprint us. Verse 30 of chapter 1, 1 Corinthians. Let's read it together. <laughs> ah, we're on fire this morning, family. I said, we're on fire this morning. This is the best news that you've ever heard. This is the best news you've ever heard. Well, I heard rich. I'm rich. That wasn't better news than this. Well, I'm healed. You didn't hear it better than this. I'm in Christ Jesus. How much? He's the firstborn among many brethren. It says in verse 30, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus. Let's read that again first person. But of him am I in Christ Jesus. Who of, keep going, who of God is made unto me wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He's made unto me. I of whom? But of him am I in Christ Jesus who was made unto me righteousness. He was made unto me. Michael Billings made unto me. Lisa Irby made unto me. Lynn Holmes made, made, made. He made me righteous. So you want to push back on that? You want to push back and say, I'm not righteous. Well probably not saved then i mean if you can't believe this word you might not believe the word that call upon the name of the lord and you'll be saved no the word says that we should put on the lord jesus put on the lord jesus put on the lord jesus how do you do that you get up and say bless god i feel righteous today or you get up and say i don't feel righteous at all I had a really bad night. I really dreamed dreams that are unmentionable, or I really did something yesterday that's unconsciousable, and I feel good today, because I'm always right. He's been made unto me righteousness. I'm going to tell you some things that will part your hair. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. The uh, Romans three I'll have to tell you this verse, that he might be righteous, even when declaring righteous him that hath faith in him. So I'm righteous because I have what? Faith in him. Do I feel righteous? Have I done righteous things? (laughs) Not that much. But in him, I have faith in him. He made me righteous. Therefore, I'm going with him. I am who he says I am more than I am who I feel like I am. Now, you go... That's splitting hairs. Well, whatever. you got to get this. you got to get this. You'll be all your life repenting of things and being a worm because you didn't get this. So here, here it is. Jesus paid the sin, sin debt. Do you all believe that? Jesus paid the sin debt, and so God now sees you the same as Jesus. Listen, listen, this is it. As if you've never sinned. You Whoa, well, whoa, I have a history. No, you don't. You're always right, because Jesus paid the sin debt. He paid the sin debt. He paid the sin debt. Well, that was for back then. Well, you weren't even born then. So there's no yesterday, today, and forever. He paid it for then, for now, and forever. He paid the sin debt. Therefore, I, I, I am, because he paid it for me, I was in him on the cross He is in me after the resurrection of the dead, and therefore, I'm as, I am as he is, as I've never sinned. You You know, that's a big bite. Well, you've got to get around that big bite because there's just one way to go if you don't bite that. You're going to be an old sinner saved by grace, and you won't have anything more than the the, the world. Jesus paid the poverty debt. Jesus sees you as, excuse me, God sees you As Jesus that you're never broke I'm never broke I'm never broke come on I'm never Never broke broke. I'm never broke I'm not broke now well you ought to see my stuff I'm not broke now and I never will be broke because Jesus paid the the poverty debt the lack shortage and need debt it's the world system but I'm not in that world system. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. And what I'm of is going to dominate what I'm in. Your flesh body, you're in that, but you're going to be dominated by who you are in here. This in here is going to dominate this out there. When? Well, today, tomorrow, and the next day. So you may mess up today, tomorrow, and the next day. But who we are is this down in here. This man, this man that we are has never sinned. We are sealed by the Holy Ghost, and sin has never touched the born-again, regenerated man, has never touched who you are, who you became at the new birth, has never touched you. Well, I'm just an old sinner. No, you're not. Your flesh sinned. Your flesh reverted. We'll talk about it in just a second. Well, y'all are about out of time, but I still got plenty. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus paid the affliction debt. Therefore, God sees you just like Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. God sees you as never sick. You go, God. I wish you'd do something about this. I got a boo boo that really hurts, and I need you to help. He doesn't understand that prayer. You go, sure he does. He understands English. He doesn't understand that that language because he sees you as already healed. He sees you as he's already sent the total price. Just like he sent Jesus, he sent the total price. Now it's up to me to stop and receive it. Not for him to send it, but for me to receive it. So what's our conversation? Well, my conversation has to change to by stripes. I am, I am, I am healed. He became poor that I through his poverty might be made rich. rich. When are you going to be rich? I'm rich right now. Because I'm telling you, rich people, they get down to their last 10 million. They're in a crisis. They're down to their last 10 million and they're losing their mind. And you're looking for $10 in the, in the ca- couch to try to pay your, your kids uh, a lunch meal. We're just as rich as if we had more than 10 million or more than that. It's not a state of mind. So if we, now this is where I want to go. I said all that to say this if we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have to see it like it really is. It's a legal issue. It's not a feeling or an emotional or or a circumstantial issue. It is a legal issue, and you and I have been conferred with legal status. The old man passed away. A new man, a new man, a new man that's never before existed, a new man came in and came in here. We talked about it last week, that the old man we were was annihilated, destroyed, taken out of the way, and he put, he put a new man in. When, when a woman and a man conceive a child, it is totally biological, but God has that spirit man and puts it in that child. That's who we are. We are the man, the woman that he put into that conceived child. We we make the bodies for little junior, but it was him that put you and me in our mother's womb. So who are we? We're that man. We're that woman. Not our fo- our body. So when our body messes up, that's not me. I live in a body. I have a soul. I am a spirit. So if we are the righteousness of God and it is a legal status, then listen, listen. We are invited to commune with God fearlessly. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are fearless. When we have this legal status, we're like Esther that went into the throne room of the king. And if he didn't lower the scepter, she's toast. They're going to whack her head off and then carry her out. The scepter's already down. The king's already conferred. You have entrance. You have an audience with me. So the father thinks, he, why does he think this? He thinks that he has solved the sin consciousness problem, the challenge. He thinks that it's done. But it's a legal status, so we have to read the doc. We have to read the court order. We have to read the 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 legal rendering the judge has panted the gavel and said I saw order and you go what do you what do you order well we read the the order and it said when the Alexander has been declared the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus she may come into the throne room fearlessly and commune with her father at her will at her discretion you mean when he calls me and he's in a good mood anytime we'll be fine are y'all here? Now I'm, I'm going to give you five things that'll change your life. The first thing: we are not righteous by the pardoning of sin. God did not pardon our sin because when you're pardoned, it's a one-time act. Did y'all get that? So when you're when, excuse me, there's a when you're pardoned, they list the transgressions. And you submit that. Like right now, we we have our president has pardoned Michael Flynn. And so the order was he submitted what they said he's guilty of, and he submitted that one time, and the president said, I pardon him, and it's done. But if Michael Flynn jumps in the river with a bunch of sharks next week uh, and, and messes up again or messes up, that pardon doesn't cover that. So if you and I were pardoned, we'd be pardoned on that day in that way. But we would, we would still have sin that came after that would still be against us. So we were not pardoned. Uh, pardoning would leave the iniquity nature. That's what we were redeemed from. We call it sin, but it's actually iniquity. Iniquity is, is able to bring forth or birth sin. Sin is what you actually do, but iniquity is the spawning, is the release out of iniquity. So we've, we were all born with an iniquity nature. And it, that's what caused us to sin. It wasn't that we said, ah, oh, that's good, I'll do that. It was that iniquity that said, it doesn't matter what it is, do that. It's against God. Uh, so the old man cannot be salvaged. We can't renovate him. We can't fix him up. We can't repair him. We cannot say, oh, he'll do better. And matter of fact, if 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 we do something that we've never done, we won't do that anymore. Plus, we'll be in church every Sunday and we'll bring our offering in. Will that be enough? That's the old man. And he cannot be salvaged. Number four, remission belongs to the sinner. Say the sinner. sinner. Remission belongs to the sinner because sin can only, like that first one, pardoning, sin can only be remitted one time. It's an individual thing. So Jesus would have had to get back on the cross to remit, to fix our sin, to remit our sin. He'd have to go back and go back and go back. Well, he'd be busy, might as well just stay up there and never come down. But he said, the Lord Jesus said, it is finished. So we were not remitted, remission of sin. But what happened was forgiveness. Forgiveness, once we we have a new nature and we put on righteousness. And see, this this is what's not taught in churches. They get people born again. They say, well, give your heart to Jesus and you'll go to heaven. End of story. That's just about it. You're going to miss hell. That's the addendum to that. But that's it. That's the end of it. But if we were told the truth, we would say what happens now gives you access to forgiveness. Forgiveness is what Christians do because we come fearlessly into the throne room of God and we repent. How can you do that? Because I'm a new creature. I'm allowed access. What most Christians don't know is they can't get into the throne room to repent. So they're outside the wailing wall, outside the gates, saying, wretched am I. I'm an old sinner saved by grace. Hebrews 4. I'm going to read Hebrews 4 to you. We're we're almost there. Y'all hang on. This This can change your life. If you'll just let this go in. It, th- this will change your life. Hebrews four verse fifteen says, "For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So he became the mark. He became the pattern. He's the he's the cookie cutter. He's whatever he is. We became because God just stamped." Whoever he was, he just stamped us out. But here's verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Say boldly. Boldly. It's the same word as in fearlessly. Because the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are fearless. What does that give us? Fearless. It's not standing up against the devil. It's standing with God. Because we're not tainted with this. This world culture, this seduction that's been working, it comes, it, it works on us, but we stand strong and we know who we are. I'm going into the throne room. Why? Because I messed up. I messed up. Who messed up? The new, creat- the new creature in Christ. That's who messed up. Well, are you going in there because your status has been taken away, your legal status? Nope. I am who I am in him. I am the righteousness of God in him. But I got to keep this thing polished up. I I buy a little card at the car wash. I don't just get my car wash once. I get the card. Sometimes you can go in there for $50 and get a $100 card. I buy it and I go through the car wash. I don't get a new car when I come out the end. I get that one polished up. I am a new creation. In Christ Jesus, I'm the righteousness of God. So when I mess up, nothing changes except I'm condemned in my mind. Therefore, let us come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, 1 John 1.9, and I, we are finished now. 1 John 1.9, let's put this together. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are Fearless. Where does fearlessness come in? Devil, I come against you in the name of Jesus. I'm fearless. You can't touch me." And then, you know, 13 seconds later you hear, arr, 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 arr. <laughs> Something goes by with his tail between his legs, and it's like, "Ah, not that fearless." <laughs> I know we want to say we ain't scared, but most Christians are paralyzed by what the devil does. So, 1 John 1, 9, let's, be, let's be find out. We are, we are the righteousness of God. We, the old man wasn't renovated, wasn't patched up, wasn't put, modified. He was completely changed. If we confess our sins, who's the we? The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. He is faithful and just, because it's a legal status. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Here it is. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where is the unrighteousness? Well, it's down here. No, sin's never touched you down here. Sin's never touched you. Where's the unrighteousness? It's up here. We are condemned. We're guilty. We're we're shamed in our head because we go, I am the righteousness of God and I'm messed up. I don't like that. I messed up. I sinned. I missed the mark. I walked away. Do y'all know what sin feels like to the born-again man? It's like I disappointed myself. I have stepped back from where I should be, what I was made, and I don't like what the flesh did to me just now. I let that flesh dominate me, and I succumbed to temptation and went into that. So unrighteousness is 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 not down here. It's up here. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess it out, we say, Father, we're in the throne room. We're fearlessly standing there in the throne room, not cowering around the door saying, I'll throw something in and see, you know, I'll throw my hat in and see if I can go. We're in there boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy to help in time of need. We're boldly in the throne of grace saying, Father, I missed it. I hate it. I ask you to help me hate it like you hate it. Because obviously I didn't hate it enough to walk away from it, to be like Joseph that walked away from Potiphar's wife. I didn't hate it that much. But Lord, I'm asking you, help me hate it. But until then and as then, I put on a cleansed mind. I confess it a sin. It is taken away. It's taken out of my life. I am restored and made new to my old position in my head. Nothing's ever changed down here, but up here I'm clean as if I never sinned. Now. This is powerful. This is powerful. It just has to do with the way we think. No more of that. No more of that. He's king of kings. He's Lord of Lords. Who do you think the kings are and the lords? We've been made righteous with his righteousness. So we come as a king and a lord under the king of kings and the lord of lords. We come into the throne room and said, I've come in to report a transgression, a mess up, a sin. a missing the mark. I've come to report. I've come to get mercy, to help in time of need. We go in there. How do we get help? We agree with God. We don't go in and buck up and say, well, it wasn't that bad, and Johnny Bob, he's, a, he's been a Christian longer than me, and he did it, he's done it twice. No, we come in, we come in and say, I agree with heaven, this is sin, this is not who I am, this is contrary to whom I've been made. My flesh is trying to bring a culture of the old man into my future, and I came in to confess my weakness, But I put on strength. I put on righteousness. I put on the truth. And then you finish. God doesn't say, well, I'm thinking about it. Can I get back to you on Tuesday? No. We just go to the Word and say it's a legal legal transaction. I am free. We walk away. So if we ever do it again, we say, Lord, I told you I would never do it again, but here I am again, and I'm asking you to forgive me again. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. Because he talks about the sea of his forgetfulness, that's where all this junk goes. I think that's probably where the old man that was destroyed and annihilated—that's probably where that went too. The sea of his forgetfulness. God is so amazing that God can do anything. He can't remember things put under the blood. That's pretty amazing. Because I sure remember them. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. And somebody reminds us, and then the devil, yeah, enough of that. Father, Father, right now, we plead the blood over our minds, our souls, our mind, will, and emotions. We plead the blood over it, Lord. We repent for not knowing the truth, walking in the truth, of believing the lie, of being seduced by this culture. But, Lord, we say, we say, Lord, we're on top now. I know who I am. I believe you versus believing how I feel and what the world said. I believe you. Can you say that with me? I believe you. That's powerful. I believe you, Lord. I don't want to think of myself more highly than I ought to think. But you said that we are the righteousness of God, just like Jesus, as if we had never sinned. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of life. Lord, there's life in your righteousness. And so now, we're not afraid of the devil, the flesh, the world. We're not afraid of anything. We are fearless because we know now we're just like Jesus. He's not afraid, and he was fearless. He told the devil it is written, and the devil left. Well, we tell the devil it is written, and he will leave. We will resist him. We will submit ourselves, therefore, to God. We will resist the devil. We will submit to who we are, and we will resist the devil, and he will flee as one naked in stark terror. Lord, thank you for forgiving us and now cleansing us. And so we agree with heaven, and we stand cleansed. We will not bring it up again. We will not meditate on it. We will not mope around. We will not feel shame. We stand fearless before you, clean and holy, and we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, it's done. Just get over it. Just get over it. Quit dragging stuff up. Don't, don't, don't be dragging an old dead cat up into the, into the front living room. Mama, look what I found. Amen. Well, I bless you in the name of Jesus because God's blessed you. And we are the blessed of the Lord. And we say thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen. Amen. Amen.